Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by run for prs Coaching. run for prs Coaching helps runners of all abilities discover their inner strength and potential. They understand how difficult it can be to juggle training with family, career, and other pursuits and are excited to help support you in your athletic journey while pushing you to new heights. Run for PR's coaches work with athletes from all over the world through an online coaching platform that allows them to schedule your runs, review them, communicate feedback, and most importantly, hold you accountable. All their coaches are Boston qualifiers with years of coaching experience, and you can learn more at runforprs.co or on Instagram, where their handle is runforprs. That's P R S. Also, if you go onto their website and fill out a uh, informational uh, registration sheet, just type in that you found out about the uh, about the service through the Rambling Runner podcast that helps out the show. So, this episode is with Janae Barron, who you may know better as the Hungry Runner Girl. She is one of the most popular running bloggers in the country. She blogs every day. She's a really good writer. She is just has tons of pictures on her post. She's just really good. She's done it for a long time, and she's extremely popular. And I was excited to have this conversation with her because just last week she achieved a huge goal that she's been dreaming of for almost a decade now. And that is to break three hours in the marathon. She's been screaming it from the rooftops for a long time. But over the last six to eight years, her life has you know, been topsy-turvy. A lot of things has gone, has gone on. She lives a very blessed life, and you'll hear about it in this episode. But we don't dive too much into the past. If you want to hear more about her backstory, she's had really good podcasts with Lindsay Hine, who was last episode's guest. Lindsay Hine is, uh, I'll have another podcast. Also, Allie Feller, Allie on the Run Show. She's been on that show and has done a very good podcast as well. They talk about you know her background. Also, she blogs every day. If you want to learn more about her, go on to HungryRunner.com. I suggest you do so. This episode specifically is about this race, everything that went into it, the years of prep that it took, the day-to-day Work that she went that put into it over the past nine months or so after uh, her daughter Sky was born last December. I think December eighth is what she said, and um, also how race day went because it's uh, it, it was some very interesting moments on race day. That's for sure. So I was really excited to do a deep dive with her on this topic. She's just an absolute delight, a wonderful person, and I couldn't be more excited to bring you this episode with Janae Barron. Hello, Janae, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for doing this. I have been so looking forward to getting you on the show, Um, even more so that you just absolutely killed it at the St. George Marathon. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. It was a really good day. I'm still on cloud nine. (laughs) Right. You're on cloud nine in part because you can't go down any stairs to go on any other clouds at this point. (laughs) I know the other day I went up to get my daughter from her room and then I was on my way back down and I realized going down was not really an option. <laughs> so I had to call Andrew and be like, Hey Andrew, can you come carry sky down the stairs? Because I can go upstairs good, but it's going down the stairs that it's just like not a good thing. <laughs> Did you go old school and get like the pillow, put your feet in like the pillowcase, like right on your bum down the stairs, just like shoot, right away, just shoot down. Oh, I totally should have, or like got a cookie sheet or something like that and <laughs> slid down. <laughs> oh, the cookie sheet. That's a great yep, one. We did that as kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Super dangerous. <laughs> you know what? I didn't do it as a kid with the cookie sheet. I did it when I was in college using oh. the, um, like the trays for like the cafeteria, which was basically Brilliant. the same thing. Brilliant. I'll try that out after the next marathon. Cause right now I can do stairs a little bit better, but it was yesterday was bad. <laughs> Well, we should say so. Two fifty nine fourteen. Now you are you are one heck of a writer. You you blog every day. You, you've been posting for a number of years now. After your first mm-hmm. marathon, right? That your goal was to go sub three, and I yes. loved your positivity with it. You, I've heard you talk to other people, and they say, "So is that still a goal?" And you immediately chime in. You're like, "Oh, I'm doing it." 
Oh, yeah. Come, oh, hell yeah. or high water, it's happening. <laughs> I can't tell you when, but this sucker is going down. So I always love the positivity. And it seems like it's been a goal for a long time. However, yeah. this summer, I heard you on the alley on the Run Show podcast say, and I quote, I'll break three if I can put wheels on my shoes this fall. <laughs> so, so how did this, so when did this be, go from, I'm going to do this someday to like, I'm going to do it today. What was that evolution like over uh, the fall? That's a great question. Cause I was actually thinking about that the, the other day. Cause I forgot when I recorded that with Allie. Um, but yeah, at that point I was like, there is no way it's going to happen this fall. Um, maybe the following year, maybe 2019. And I think it was more just like, I just had a baby and I just was not bouncing back. Like I was wanting, or I mean, even then I was, I was fine with it, but I was just not bouncing back. And, um, it was probably, I think August when I was, um, I was going to the track often and things were like starting to click really well that I was like, Oh, okay. Like maybe this is going to happen. So that's kind of where, I mean, it was a nice surprise (laughs) for sure that things started to click and the speed started returning. And also I think I like, I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden I just had this extreme drive to go for it. Um, it was, I don't know how to explain it, but I didn't, <laughs> maybe you know, she started, I started sleeping more. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> I'll tell you as, as someone who struggles with sleep, I can, that, that's, that's a constant refrain I get from my coach that basically if you could sleep more, some of these goals might actually start happening for you. So right? I can, I can certainly relate to that. So sky, <laughs> sky was born December 13th. Is that right? Uh, close. You're good. Or it's December 8th. Oh, nine, December 8th. Okay. We're good. Um, <laughs> so I know you had said that unlike when uh, Brooke was born, your, mm-hmm. your first daughter, that you were going to definitely stick to like the six week. All right. I'm not going to run for six weeks. I'm going to let that yep. happen because you had pelvic issues the first time around. Totally. You kind of got back yep. into running. So what was it like in terms of that slow build where, like you said before, like you didn't you can't, didn't quite get that pop back in your legs. So what was totally. it like in the, in the fall, I'm sorry, in the spring in terms of mm-hmm. the potential frustration that you were feeling? Obviously, you're grateful to have a child and there's obviously totally. things going on. But at the same time, it doesn't like those aren't these goals aren't mutually exclusive, right? Like you can have exactly. like you can have these running goals and have the parental family goals at the same time. And even though they they can interact with each other um you know you can still be very happy that you have a growing family and still be frustrated by your running times oh absolutely no that's exactly what happened so yeah I took those six weeks off like you said with Brooke I had like crazy pelvic pain for a few years after because I just jumped right back into running really fast and I know that can work for some women but I just knew for my body I did not want to ever experience that pain again (laughs) so I took those six weeks off completely and then I started working with um, Mary um, as my coach, and she was very conservative with getting back into things, which I needed because when I did it on my own, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to run a half marathon. After Brooke, I ran a half marathon like seven weeks after she was born. And good Lord. I, just, I know it was ridiculous. I was just. I had a lot of emotions at the time that I needed to run off, I guess. So, but with Mary, she was very good at um, getting me gradually building up again. And then I did a half marathon in May. So I don't know, I guess Sky was five months at the time. Um, and I, I didn't break 130. I really wanted to, and I was on a super fast course. And so that was kind of a little bit defeating in the sense of how did I do this with Brooke? you know, seven weeks after and with Mary, I mean, worth working with this coach and going slower. I wasn't, but then long-term I look at it now and I'm like, well, not quite long-term, but 10 months I'm like, oh, like, obviously I'm not injured. (laughs) And 10 months, you know, after nine months of training, like I'm getting this final goal rather than it just took a little more patience is all. And I am terrible at patience. So it was a good lesson for me, <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. We should say Mary is Mary Johnson, who, yes, some, of, yes, who some of our it's listeners might know as it's a marathon on mm-hmm. Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And I uh, know she's, she's wonderful. And, and she's, oh, she's, she's the best. 
Oh, for sure. And oh, yeah. it's funny how you mentioned like, you know, you're, you're framing 10 months as a long time and it's yeah, like, and, it's and like, in like parental and <laughs> parental time it is right. It's like, yeah, the true. days go by slow, but the weeks go by fast. So that like 10 so months true. feels forever. But yes. then when you actually say it to somebody, you're like, oh, that oh, doesn't wait. sound very long. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as I was talking to you about that, I was like, oh, wow, I sound ridiculous because that's not very long, but it felt it felt like it's been a long time. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like it's almost like it's, you know, it's like I'm going through this right now in terms of like totally. this week's training cycle. Whereas like if you just have like one bad workout, like the time between your next workout feels like forever. Well, it's yeah, like, it's like I a need decade. To, yeah, it's like I need revenge on the track. You know, <laughs> exactly. it's like those three days just drag on. You're like, I need to like, you know, you know, show my body that I can do this. So like, yes. yeah, so 10 months does does feel like a long time. Totally. Yep. And and even like the last four months, I mean, you had said that you were, that you weren't planning on running St. George, which you'd run mm-hmm. quite often, which is fairly yep. close to you. Yep. Um and that you weren't planning on doing big, I guess, was it because you had, you know, memories of marathons past and you wanted to like get over that yeah. mental hurdle? So what kind of happened, um, Mary was like, you know, let's have you do a marathon where you're not going to be comparing yourself the whole time to what you did a few years ago and when you were more fit or something like that. And, um, and it's kind of tough. Uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we don't, um, they ask us not to do like tons of races and, um, on Sundays and things like that. And so Sunday's my day of rest. And so it's hard to find a marathon that is not on Sunday. It's so then I needed to find a Saturday race and I wanted my mom and dad to be at the race. And so I had to find one closer. So long story short, I was going to try to do, um, a different marathon. And then it just worked out that St. George really was like perfect as far as everything else goes on if that makes also, sense. <laughs> also the Boston Marathon is quite perfect. We got Marathon Monday. I know, I know, but we uh I'm not qualified for it since uh I had Sky. I I don't have a qualifying time for it. So otherwise I mean, don't, I'd you be have, there. don't you have one for 2020 now? Um I do, yes for sure. But then there's that other <laughs> that's the other part where I'm like we still want more kids. So I'm trying to get in a lot of races before we go for another one. <laughs> I'm <it>. crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, this is just part of the deal, right? Exactly. This is something that a lot of people have to consider. Totally. Uh, obviously it's much more strong. It, it's much more of a serious consideration for women than men for yeah. obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Like when you totally. give birth, it, it, you know, it, it's just, it's apples and oranges from a comparison standpoint, but even there's plenty of men who listen to this podcast who have young yes. kids and they're like, Hey man, training for me ain't no bargain either. And that's true because oh, it's hard. Absolutely. It's hard to train when kids are awake. Yep. Because mm-hmm. either you need to take care of them or you have the parental guilt of like someone's watching my kids while I do a hobby. Absolutely. And, it's like, and like that parental guilt is real. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, I, I bring it up on part because like, you know, yo is one of those things where, you know, over the past, what, four to six weeks, you had that going on a little bit where Andrew, I shouldn't say you had the guilt going on, but Andrew was yeah. kind of taking the kids at night, putting them down. Oh, for sure. And while you were obviously pushing hard to achieve a goal that you set out a long time ago. Totally. So how, how did that work for you in terms of managing that while you have this goal race in mind, but also understanding that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to step away like that. Not only totally. from, on your, you know, to do that, um, you know, just the partner dynamics and also with the kids because they want mom and all that stuff. Exactly. Well, Andrew is like the most supportive human on the planet and, and like such a good dad that the kids, they don't miss me if I'm not there. Like they're, <laughs> they're thrilled, like life's way more fun. There's more like running around and playing and like things like that. So I don't think they even notice, but for me, yeah, there were definitely times that I felt guilt of like, well, like I'm getting so much sleep and he's not as much and things like that. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of our deal of like, okay, well, when I'm pregnant or coming back, like focus on you with all of your races and things like that, or next year, whatever race you want to do, where can I get a flip, flip, whatever, you know? So, so that was good, but yeah, you definitely feel the guilt. But then I'm also like, I think it's so good for these kids to see us work for our goals, whatever they may be. So right now Andrew's in school and they're seeing him work really hard with his schooling. And 
I, I think it was good for, you know, Brooke and Knox. Sky has no idea what's going on yet, but for them to see, like, I still really care about certain passions and things, and I'm not going to just get lost in, like, helping everyone else all the time because if I can help myself for a little bit each day, I can help them better, if that makes sense. And so, so running makes me a better mom anyways. Like I, I'm taking a few weeks off from running after the marathon and it's like, I've really got to learn how to be patient, like without running (laughs) and like, how to like create my own endorphins so that I'm like a happy person. (laughs) You're going to be the best blogger ever. (laughs) These will be like the most curated blog posts. The grammar will be perfect. Oh, that's not possible. I don't know. That's not possible. (laughs) Don't, don't set your expectations up high. So you're you're going to wake, yeah, you're going to stick to the running schedule, wake up at four 30 in the morning to blog instead of to run. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, I'm sleeping in. It feels really good too. (laughs) I can imagine because that that's one thing where you I know you're like a nine hour ideally like a nine hour yes. sleep person but like oh, yeah. good luck mm-hmm. good luck doing that to a mom of a young kid um, never mind never mind a six year old or eight year old or whatever who can wake up early but it's it's totally. even harder that first year so it's kind of funny though because Sky I think she knows the schedule she's the my baby the ten month old and she like has been waking up for Andrew like leading up to the marathon like all the time and then do the, I do the marathon and for the last two or three nights or whatever, since the marathon, she has slept from seven to seven, like without waking, without a peep. And so, because I told Andrew, I'm like, Hey, after the marathon, I'm taking over nighttime for as long as you need to like catch up. So now that it's my turn, she's sleeping through the night, like perfectly. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think on I know. Team, I think I, I know what's going on. <laughs> I think I know what's going on. Mom, mom's the favorite it's true she understands mom's the yeah. or he or she just wanted to hang out with him in the middle of the night because he's fun so there we go oh there you go <laughs> there's the devil's advocate argument exactly I like that. that works out too um so speaking of that you actually yes. had not the ideal race prep going into this marathon in terms of obviously the training went really well the last yeah. like two or three mm-hmm. months, right? You hit yep. the track and then it really kind of like had that paradigm shift on your training. You really started to kick some butt. And totally. then, then week of the marathon, you move again, yep. mm-hmm. not ideal. Yep. That's a very stressful situation, <laughs> not only like emotionally, oh. mentally, but physically, right? You're doing all these totally. things when you're moving yep. the house. Um, the night before the marathon, you had trouble falling asleep and then woke up at three fifteen in the morning. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. the day of the marathon. Totally. And then, so how did you feel on race morning? So this, you, this is what your 10th or 11th marathon. You've done this plenty of times. Mm-hmm. How did you feel the morning of, and how did that compare to some of your other efforts? So this training cycle, obviously like I'm pretty fit, but I've also been pretty fit other training cycles and I didn't get the sub three. And so with this training cycle, I, um, focus so much time and effort on my mental training and things like that. And, um, the morning of the race, I felt so much calmness and peace that I've never experienced the morning of a marathon. Usually I'm like freaking out, hyperventilating, crying. I mean, I causing stomach issues cause I'm just so nervous And for some reason this time around, well, not some reason, obviously the mental training, like I was able to go into it thinking like, okay, I have prepared, I've done everything I need to. So now I just get to go out and do what I love. Like nothing is different here. There's no reason to put all this pressure on myself because no matter what the time says on the clock, I'm enough. You know what I mean? And, and I just get to go do the fun part now, instead of thinking, oh my goodness, if I fail, how, how are people going to think of me or how am I going to think of me and things like that and pushing, putting all this pressure on myself. This time I was just able to go into it and think I get to go do the the stuff I love. Like I get to go race and have a good time. So this is fun and I'm lucky, you know, I'm grateful. So that was definitely the difference. So yeah, I mean, I was a little tired, but, um, I took a lot, I don't normally drink caffeine like ever, except for I take this little caffeine shot before I do a hard workout or race. And so a little bit of caffeine goes a long way with me since I don't normally have caffeine. So (laughs) I actually felt pretty energized, even though I was tired from other things. (laughs) Right. And then even the night before, um, mm-hmm. I know that you, you kind of go out of your way in your writing, as you put it, not to be too churchy, 
Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But even the night before, you 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 sounds like you had trouble, totally. kind, of, kind of trouble falling asleep. But then you read some yep. of your scriptures, and then you had one that kind of rang true for you, and it kind of totally. set you at ease. Do you think totally. that had a carryover effect for the next day? Oh, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't have anxiety in this training cycle at all, for sure. But it was more. Um, sometimes I think we kind of don't have a lot of control over the first thoughts that come into our brain, but after that, we have the control to let them cycle out of control or to get a handle on them. And so maybe in previous cycles, I let the anxiety kind of spin out of control. And this time, yeah, like doing things like finding a good scripture that would put me at ease or finding, listening to a podcast that put me at ease or things like that of learning how to control the thoughts. So that scripture absolutely like put things into perspective for me and um, definitely carried over to the next morning to help me out with that. So I was very grateful. <laughs> and for people who are wondering, it was Alma 37 in the book of Mormon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. So I'm not going to read it here in part because oh. I can't read um, oh. very well. So I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just ruin it for everybody. It won't help anybody, but if you want to look it up, it's there. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so you had, an interesting experience at the start of this, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Oh, in no. That, in that, <laughs> no, I'm not going to get there yet. I'm oh, okay, gonna, okay. I'm going to save the TMI <laughs> moment for a little later. Okay, good. Well, you know what? Warm you, up since you brought little. it up, we'll just talk okay, about it now. we can talk now. It's you fine. I'm an open book. You're, hey, you wrote about it, so I don't feel weird bringing it up. But uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, the start of the race. Great. Let's talk about yep. like, right before right before they uh, they shot the gun or blew the whistle or did yep. the horn, whatever mm-hmm. they, whatever they did to, to start this sucker. Yeah. I was standing in the, the pack of everyone ready to go. They're doing the countdown 10, nine, eight, seven, you know, and it gets close to us starting. And I realized I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Like luckily it was number one, not number two. That would be really bad. But I was like, I really have to go. And so I was like, well, I can't jump out now. Cause then I'm going to be like in a whole different area. Like I'd like to be by the three Oh five pace guides and kind of feel from them. So I need to go now with the start of everyone else, but, um, there's no way I can run 26 miles feeling like this. And so I get going and I start and I, um, it wasn't until a few miles in where I was finally like, you know, it's raining. Like I'm wearing black shorts and I just, I am not going to cut it this. I mean, I was already so close to, I was only 46 seconds under my goal. <laughs> so I think if I would have stopped that, that would have been bad. And I probably would have missed my goal. So I just did a, you know, I just went. <laughs> oh my gosh. So not my proudest moment, but like, I don't know. You got to do what you got to do. Right. So, and I know a lot of runners experience stuff like this. So you just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right about that. If if anyone's listened to funny episodes one or two on this podcast, there's a lot of potty talk on uh, about half of the stories. I think like yep. half mm-hmm. of the 20 or, or some of the stories. So yeah, totally. for sure. It's funny. Cause I, when I read your brace recap, I, I obviously read it wrong by, as you can tell from the introduction to that story totally. that I gave, but what totally. I, what I envisioned it was that it actually happened in the starting area. Okay. See, I think I wrote that wrong because lots of people thought that I meant like, I just realized at that point, like, Oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. Like, this is going to be bad. And so it wasn't until a few miles in, like no one was like right next to me don't worry. <laughs> no one had to suffer from me or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, so it was a few miles in, but it was at the very beginning where I was like, Oh no, this is, this is a problem. I've never, and I've never experienced that. I've never once stopped at a porta potty or had to use the restroom during a marathon. So this was a whole new, I'm usually like probably dehydrated. And so big time. So <laughs> I've never even had to think about having to use the restroom during a marathon. <laughs> well, it sounds like it sounds like you still you, you've kept the streak alive. It's like you're yes, exactly you're, you're porta potty free since two thousand three. You're, yes. you're good. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's fun. So there you go. Too much information, but I'm good at that. So no, this is right. This is right in our wheelhouse oh, in, in the Rambling Runner podcast. No, so I'm, I'm I'm all for it. But during that same time, you had the experience that a lot of people have when they're really fit for a marathon. Yep. Where you have that first 10 K where it's like, you basically have to run with a governor, just like not to go out too hard. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how were you managing that? Were you like, just like, 
just staring at your watch the whole time? How did that work for you? Because I know it worked. I know you were able to to make it work, but that can be totally. a tough thing for a lot of people. Well, and I think I've just learned my lesson so many times the hard way where it was finally like, hey, do not mess this up. Um, so yeah, I was pretty strict with myself and just keeping it at a pace where I was not breathing heavy. Like I felt very fluid. We were also kind of do- dodging puddles cause it was raining and things. So, and I was wearing racing flats and I was just worried about my feet getting like socks, whatever that word is. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> um, really wet and things like that. And so, um, I, I was kind of just trying to be smart cause I've blown up so many times in the marathon that I didn't want to do it again. So yeah, I was looking at my watch a lot and, um, Mary told me she'd send me flowers if my first mile was a seven fifteen. So I didn't quite get the flowers, but I was close to her, <laughs> to, to being smart the first mile. <laughs> yeah. You ran seven Oh two. Yeah. That's not, yeah. Not so, too bad. Not too far off. I wasn't in the sixes. So I think she should be a little happy about that. <laughs> yeah. And you get, you get like one flower. Exactly. <laughs> she gets to, she gets to keep the bouquet. She'll keep eleven. She'll just yep. send one mm-hmm. your way. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny because you you kept it in check. You went yep. so the first six were seven oh two, seven oh nine, six forty six, six forty two, six fifty five. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then oh, I'm sorry, that was that's five of them, and then six forty three. So you had, um, you, you were definitely able to keep it right there where you wanted. And then I guess that's where the that's kind of when the the course kind of starts tilting upward. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Right, yeah. After, so the, the... right after the 10K mark. Totally. And the first two miles, it's kind of flat and uphill a little bit and things like that. So that also helped me to keep it in check. And then you get some good down for a few miles. And then it's like you go up, you climb a lot. Um, yeah, like 250 feet or something in the first mile, in that mile and a half right there. So there's a lot of climbing. So this course is definitely set up to be a negative split course for sure. If you run it right, um, you can you can definitely get a negative split. So I just had to, I didn't look at my watch. Like if people pass me on that hill, great. Um, I'm going to cheer them on, but I just could not burn myself out on the hills because then you're, you're in trouble for the rest of the course. So, so yeah, I, I slowed down for those few miles. And then once you get to about mile 14 or 15, you can, you can get catch up on some time with some downhill. So yeah, cause you went what I did. That, that first one up the hill, you went 752. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. a, which is like compared to the previous mile was a minute and 10 seconds slower. Totally. So obviously, mm-hmm. obviously that's, that's, it's quite a slowdown, but it certainly fit with your plan. So were you totally. in that moment, was it kind of, were you able to kind of gain ex, kind of like as learn from your past experience? Like, have you blown up on that hill in the past? Totally. Um, actually, you know, I don't think I have in the past as much. I know a lot of friends that have and things like that. And during this training cycle, Andrew and I actually went down to St. George and we ran the exact course for 19 miles of the course. And he rode his bike next to me. And so it was really nice to be able to go into the marathon, having like a, a, an experience of the course right before it. And so I could really know you know, if you are patient on this hill and things like you can absolutely fly mile 14, 15, 16, you'll catch up. Like there's no reason to stress. There's no reason to worry about slowing down because if you just keep an even effort, you'll make up for the, for that mile or two on the downhill big time. Cause it's, it's screaming fast after those hills. So it is normally totally. but then yeah. you started having stomach cramps so how yeah, do you manage true. that how do you manage that with the idea of that you wanted to then start kicking butt in that those exact same miles to make up for the slowing down of the hill totally so the stomach cramps i kind of used my um left hand and kind of was like massaging my stomach a little bit and that would help i don't know what was causing the cramps i haven't had cramps like that for a while but um but you know, I just was really, tr- I was really focusing on other things, you know, and I would think like, okay, this stomach cramp, yeah, it's pretty terrible, but my knees aren't hurting or, you know, or my elbows feel good or, or it's a beautiful day. Like the weather's great. It's not hot. So I was really, um, working through at that time on making sure that my brain wasn't going down that like negative spiral and, 
and obsessing over the cramps and just like, well, yeah, that's there, but that's better than me having like plantar problems right now or other problems I've had during marathons or races or training that are like way harder um, than the stomach cramps. So it was kind of just like, well, something's going to hurt. So I might as well be this because I know it's not an injury or I know I'm not like breaking a bone right now or something like that. So yeah, it definitely hurt. And, and just that concept of like, it'll go away eventually. Just let it, write it out. <laughs> now, <laughs> if that makes sense. Do you go into races with certain mantras at all oh, that, yeah. you know that you want to like, that you want to say during the hard parts? Totally. Yeah. Every time. But, um, for this one, a lot of like, I can do hard things. I repeated that to myself a lot. I repeated, I can, and I will a lot. Um, I repeated my dad's name. He wasn't able to come down to the marathon and I know he really wanted to be there. And so I repeated his name often, um, things like, or I think of my kids' names or Andrew or things like that, where it's like meaningful problem. I mean, just me basically, but it means a lot. And so that was helpful. That was really helpful. Yeah, because you were still able to run pretty quick during that. So like you were yeah. able to just like, I guess, keep it like to the, to your upper body, right? Like your legs totally. kept moving fast, but you must have been in, uh, totally. in a lot of pain. Not, uh, maybe totally. must have been. In, in, I don't know if it was a lot of pain or significant pain. Like I mean, how, maybe how you, medium. How do you describe it? Oh, okay. I mean, probably medium, but. I mean, that's the part of the merit, like marathoners or half marathon, all, all of us runners were really good at like, to us, maybe it's not as bad as it would be to someone that, <laughs> I don't know, that doesn't put their body through extreme things like the marathon or <laughs> big races, you know what I mean? Like, we're probably not as sensitive to it, but so, I mean, it was definitely there and it was bugging me and I could have just dwelled on it the entire time, but it just was kind of like, it's there whatever, like I have to keep going, drink more water, keep going with your, um, nutrition and things like that. And I guess I've had much worse pain during races. And so I just was like, yeah, it happens. It's <laughs> but it, funny, was, right? it was frustrating. Totally. For it's, sure. like the, it's like the silver lining you get from those tough races. Like in the moment, you don't think to yourself, Oh, for sure. oh boy, two years from now, I'm going to be able to really learn from this experience. Like you like, you know, you curse right? yourself in the moment, but it is interesting to then look back on it and be like, even, Oh, good yeah. grief. Like I've done dealt with so much worse than this. Exactly. And like, I was even thinking, I remember during the cramping miles, I was like, okay, remember all those people that did Boston this year and they ran in that headwind and the, that weather and things like I've got it pretty lucky. Like this is pretty good because headwind is like my worst nightmare. I hate the headwind and I didn't have that. And so I was like, you know what? I'd rather have some cramps. This is fine whatever. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> right. So then you, so when you got to mile 20, yeah. you were able to basically do the math on where you stood. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't do the math as much as, um, my watch was just telling me like my overall pace oh, up until right, right. that point. And it was like, I think it was 657, 658. So not, not sub three, I needed 652 or lower. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I did the math of like, okay, well, I'm not, on track yet for the sub three, unless I really pick it up. So, um, a decision had to be made at that point. <laughs> so, right. Was, you, because you're right. Like you really had to pick it up, like cutting totally. six to seven seconds per mile off a total average in only exactly. six miles is a huge effort. Totally. Totally. So what was got, the inner monologue yeah. like, like when you were weighing whether or not, or whether how or not to do to that? Go? So yeah, in my brain, I was thinking, um, okay, Janae. So if you just maintain this pace, you're going to get a PR. Cause my previous PR was three Oh four fifty something. And so I was like, okay, if I just hold on to that, I'm going to get a PR. And then it went to like, okay, well, you know, maybe even if I do have to slow down a little bit, at least I'm going to get a course PR. And then it was like, okay, you just had a baby 10 months ago. So like, it's okay. Just whatever. And then all of a sudden I just had this like overwhelming feeling of like, stubbornness or something. I'm just like, no, like I came here to sub three and I'm not going to let these excuses or these like half, you know, half of my goal, like, oh, well, at least it's a PR. Like, yeah, I mean, a PR would have been amazing still, but like, it wasn't what I was there to do. I was there to sub three. I did the training for the sub three and I was just not going to like, let myself talk myself out of it, you know? Cause I know I'd get to the end and if I got a 303 and yeah, it was still a PR and I'd be happy, but it would still be like, I was so close 
And I had that choice, you know, I had that choice to like stay in my comfort zone or to really push myself out of that comfort zone and just hurt, you know, for 50 more minutes of pain, whatever we can do that. And so that's kind of when it changed. And I didn't write about this on the blog post, but I was just like, there was times where I was like grunting out loud, like probably loud. I hope people weren't like hearing me. Like I was just like, I turned into kind of a machine of just like, I was not going to let this slip away. Cause I've, I've let it slip away so many times where I like almost had it and then I blow up or I give up or I slow down because I'm like using all these excuses in my head. And I'm like, not today. It's not going to happen. My family's here. They've worked so hard for me to get here. Like I can't, I can't do that again. So that's kind of what happened. And I'm really, I'm really grateful. I, uh, was stubborn (laughs) that day and went for it. So it hurt. <laughs> well, you summarized it beautifully on the last page of your race recap. I say last page because I printed it out. It's oh, not good. actually oh, it's yes. not actually a PDF, so I shouldn't say the last page. Oh, that's it's the so last page funny. of you mine. Printed it. <laughs> um, well, you wrote, and I'm just going to read it back yeah. now. So okay. I think it's it's really well said. You said all of this yeah. training, all of the time, what makes us, what makes all of our running actually worth it. It's not a certain time on the clock. It's overcoming something. It's it's proving to ourselves how strong we are in overcoming the desire to quit that makes me come back for more and more running. We beat ourselves um, in the voice in our head that sometimes tells us that we can't. That is the feeling I keep coming back for and will keep coming back for for years as I can. So you're absolutely right. That's so well said. However, yeah. Yeah. it's a lot easier said than done. And totally. I can, ref- and I'm sure anyone listening to this and even your host can, you know, remember the countless times where I've given in, in that moment. Have I you, know, right? ha- mm-hmm. have you done that as well? Have you been able to power through? Are there, t- are there races you regret where you, you got to that point where you had to make a decision and maybe you regret the decision you made, or you just gave in to the, the fatigue or the pain or the, what have you. Oh, t- yeah, like marathons one through nine, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> there was definitely some like, you know, I go out, I go out on pace, I hold pace until 20, 21, 22. And then it's like, okay, well, you're still doing good. Like, it's okay to slow down. Like, I hurt so bad. Nothing's ever hurt this bad in my life. Like, it's fine. Like, just slow down. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm the queen of, of doing that. Um, but then the races I can like really remember and that I love with like every fiber of my being, the half marathons or whatever it may be, are the ones that I didn't, I didn't let that happen. Like I overcame something and it didn't always equal a PR and it didn't always equal a placing or something like that. But it, it just, I can remember those times of like, like I will always look back on this marathon at that time and think like, I am so proud of myself for overcoming thoughts of negativity or thoughts of quitting or thoughts of slowing down just because it sounded like the easier option. Like I'll always, I want to always take the harder right rather than the easier wrong. Um, it's just, Oh, that's a great yourself- line. Can you say that again? That was great. <gasps> okay. Well, and I, I mean, I can't take credit. That's a quote from uh, uh, one of the prophets of our church, but taking the easier or taking the harder right. Uh, rather than the easier wrong. Um, that's, isn't that our goal in life? You know what I mean? Whether it's our integrity or um, our parenting decisions or work decisions or anything like that. Like we want to, we want to make the right choices no matter how hard they are rather than just like kind of taking the easier wrong ones, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, I think that's the races and the times in our training and things like that, that we remember and that give us the most like self-esteem or uh, confidence in ourselves are when we are overcoming something that is not easy, you know, cause overcoming easy stuff that whatever, <laughs> do you remember any of that? You know, <laughs> but the, like the really hard stuff, like I'll never forget that day. And for any um, instance in life, like you can look back on that and just be like, I know I can do the harder thing, you know? So there's that. <laughs> but so what can you identify why in some races you have done that where it's in other races you haven't? Has there been can you look at any reason why or is it just a matter of it's always hard and sometimes you just choose to do it? You know, I think there's a lot of different circumstances. I think different um periods of time in my life, maybe um when I was struggling with like 
other things in my world, like I kind of quit, quit a little bit easier, I guess, or, um, things like that. But I just, I feel like with this training cycle and with this period of time, my life, like the older I get, I feel like I'm just more confident and I just believe in myself a lot more, which I wish I could go back to my twenties and like shake myself and (laughs) say, you have no reason not to be confident, you know, and things like that. So I think just with age, like, I think I'm just learning a lot more about myself and, um, and spending the time to learn more about myself with the mental training of, um, running also, uh, spending the time that I never did. I'd rather run more miles. Now I'm like, no, that's, that's a part of training too, is that we're working on the mental side of things because that's, that makes her break. What sort of mental training did you do during this cycle? Cause you did mention that earlier in the show as well. Yeah. So I, um, I bought Dina Castor's book. I don't know if you've read it or oh, not. Oh, of course. I, li- I shouldn't okay. say I read it. I listened to the audio book uh, twice through. I like twice through. Okay. That's, I need to go through it again. I learned so much from her book on finding the goodness in things and overcoming negative thoughts and just that she is so optimistic. It's amazing. It's so contagious. I did that. I did Kara Goucher's, um, strong journal this time through, um, I would come home and write down positive things from each workout. Um, I practice, you know, the speed workouts and the long runs, that's like our best opportunity possible to be practicing our, um, thought processes. Um, I listened a lot to Jared Ward. Have you had Jared Ward on? No, I haven't. Okay. He's like one of my running idols for sure. Especially he lives in our area and he works at uh, the college I went to and things like that. But he talks a lot about mindfulness and um, that helped me out so much during the marathon because he talks about um, anxiety and fear coming come from living in the future. And there's no point to living in the future. Like we need to be where we are right now. So when you're in the marathon and you're like, oh my goodness, I have 10 more miles and I have cramps and I feel terrible. Like that's going to slow you down. That is not going to help you out in any sense. And it's going to make you feel miserable and sad and things like that. And so he talks about staying where you are in the moment and paying attention to where you are. And that has helped me out in my running so much. So rather than like thinking, okay, I have five more mile repeats during a workout, I'm going to crash and burn. There's no way I can hold this pace. Just living where you are in the moment and noticing the things around you, your breathing, the tree next to you, um, your pace, you know, what you're doing at the time rather than constantly looking towards the future because you don't know how you're going to feel in the future. And why does that matter for where you're at now? And that was probably one of the biggest things that's helped me mentally during running because so many times I've, you know, gotten discouraged because I'm like, I feel terrible right now. So what am I going to feel like in eight miles? Also terrible. And, and, and you don't know things could like in this last race. Yeah. I felt terrible during those cramping miles, but then 23 and 20 mile 23 and 24, I felt the best I had in like an hour and a half or two hours or something. And so it's great. We can't predict what we're going to feel like. So just staying in that moment and that's helped me a ton with my running. Um, what else have I done? I just learning to like, why not just think you're great rather than, um, previous years I've compared myself a lot to other runners or people around me and their times. And like, it's just pointless to do that. And so I've, I've worked a lot on just being me and cheering everyone else around and why, um, why beat yourself up if you're not as fast as so-and-so or they have a better PR or whatever. It, It doesn't matter. Like you're just, you're competing against yourself and that's been very beneficial. So that's kind of what I've done for the mental training. That was probably more than you wanted to hear. <laughs> Sorry. It, no, it was perfect. No, I apologize. I love it. It was the reason I asked the question. In, in, oh, good. in the first part of your answer, I think yeah. another, another feature of that, you didn't mention it, but I know it's played a part for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've been lucky enough to work with three different coaches that I have really good relationships with and really respected their opinion is that when I just like, I just have complete faith in them and just submit yes. and stop like overthinking it. That oh, yeah. also can help during those hard moments during a workout right. where it's like, I can't do this. But it's like, well, again, obviously some days just aren't your day. I'm not immune to that. Totally. Fact. Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, All right, this is not beyond my capability. 
totally. This is not, this person would have not given me this. If it was beyond my capability, I can do this. Absolutely. So let's just try to do it. And it, it takes the thinking out of it a little bit. I know. And I think that's why we should all get coaches because it's just so helpful to know that they have confidence in you for doing that time or that workout or that pace. So like, why shouldn't we have confidence in ourselves to do that same thing? So yeah, it's very beneficial. I agree with you. <laughs> Big time. So you, and you mentioned, all right, so, so you hit the 20 mile mark. You had to, you know, just kind of make it or break it at that point. Yep. You're just mm-hmm. like, all right, we're going to make this happen. So let's totally. see what happens. And then you did just that. I'm going to read the miles now, oh. <laughs> which were just so awesome. I have to read them because they're great. So you oh, ran, yeah. at that point, you looked down, you did the math. You almost get, you almost gave it in, no, not gave in, but you almost rationalized away your goal and you decided Mm -hmm. not to do it. And then you proceeded to go 631, 639, 622, 621, (laughs) 631, 656. And then obviously the strong, hard point to finish, um, to get a, a four minute negative split, 127, 23, second half of the marathon one twenty seven twenty three second half so in <laughs> totally. the spring you were just hoping to break 130 for a half marathon totally you ran yeah. a 127 23 in the second half of this marathon despite yeah. going through five miles of cramps to finish with 259 14 in the picture of you and andrew after the finish line it's like it was on your instagram account yeah. it's super grainy yeah. it's like not in focus <laughs> at all but it's like it's it's, but at the same time it's a perfect picture because it captures yeah. the moment perfectly totally. yeah. um so when you hit that right you hit the 259 14 mm-hmm. what was that finish line feeling like you've had a bunch of them what was that one like oh that one was just unreal so um you know, as I was doing those like six twenty miles and things like that, I was realizing more and more like I have this, you know, I've got this. And then the last mile hit and I, uh, 25 or whatever the last mile. And I, um, I definitely hit the wall, like hardcore. It was there. I was trying, like everything was fuzzy around me. And I was like trying to blink a lot to like make things not fuzzy anymore, like windshield wipers or something, thinking that was going to like help me out to see better. And like, I just hit the wall. And so I was getting a little nervous during that mile, you know, but I was just like, okay, just keep going though. Just focus on the second. But so up until the end, like, you know, until I saw the clock when I was turning the corner, like I was pretty sure I had it, but I wasn't like a hundred. And so I, and then I saw the clock and I'm like, okay, I do, I do have this. So just soak this moment in. So soak this last 0.15 miles in of just like knowing you have it, seeing the finish line and getting there. And like, I threw my arms up in the air and I don't think you're supposed to do that unless you win. I don't know, (laughs) but I just, I just wanted to celebrate. Like I felt, I felt like I won the Olympics. Like I had just felt so on top of the world of, I did it. Like I couldn't even believe the, what it was happening. I don't know how to describe it. It was just like unreal. So, I mean, you've done this so many times before. So if you could compare this finish line feeling with any others, would, would you say compares to any of them? Or is it just the pent up emotion of going for this goal over so many years? It just it kind of eclipses anything else you'd felt at that moment. Yeah. I, I've never had a finish line feeling like that. Like, obviously you're always excited and proud of yourself, but that was, that was just a whole new experience. Like I've literally had dreams at night dreaming about passing under the clock at two fifty nine. you know? And so nothing even can compare to that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was like nothing else I've ever experienced and it was amazing. <laughs> I felt very lucky. So that is amazing. And it's, it's, it's a great to hear that you, know, you set a goal and you basically didn't have a timeline on it, right? It was like, all right, this is yeah, going to happen. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm, not going to overthink mm-hmm. it. Obviously, I'm sure there are moments where you did, but you know, totally. you, but it, oh, it yeah. sounded like whenever I heard someone bring the goal up to you, like I said at the beginning, you were like, yep. oh yeah, it's going to happen, period, totally. period. Totally. So that kind of positivity that you have yeah. mm-hmm. um, that's been evident throughout this entire podcast, never mind just that mm-hmm. small little anecdote. <laughs> is that something that you've always had or is that something that you work hard to cultivate? I think I'm, I think I have some like optimism in my blood. My dad is 
probably the happiest person on the planet. Like he is always smiling and happy and cheerful. And so is my mom. And so I kind of grew up around that. And I mean, obviously I'm not optimistic all the time or thinking positive all the time at all. But, um, but I do think I have like an overall general, I just, why not, why not think of it in a good way and things like that. But it's, but no, I mean, I definitely work on it too. There's different parts in my life, maybe not just running there where I need to just work on it and change my, <laughs> change my perspective. But, but yeah, no, in years it's getting, it's getting better and better. So yeah, <laughs> but That's yeah, I, I love life. I really do. So, and running it's helps so it. evident. <laughs> it's so evident, Janae. And uh-huh. it's like, it, it, it's refreshing uh-huh. too, because it, it can be hard when you have little kids. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like I, people are always like, oh, you need to put more of the negative side of kids and stuff like that on, on your blog. And of course my kids have like problems and days that are terrible or really hard, but like, like my insides, I just like, I really love being a mom. That's, that's something I've always just really enjoyed. But yeah, that was a tangent. I'm really good at tangents. I can just go off on any subject on the planet. So, so yeah. Well, that's why we call it the rambling runner podcast. You fit right in. I love it. Oh, I love it. All right. So before we get into the last batch of questions that I like to do with every guest, I first want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for all of the blog posts that you put out into the mm. world, you spend so much time and effort putting uh, a lot in you. Just put a lot into it. So oh, well, thank you for I love everything your that you podcast. do. Thank you for joining me on my runs. Like I love your podcast. So I was so excited when you reached out. <laughs> oh, it was a no brainer on my part. That's for sure. All right. So when you're out on your runs, are you wearing yes. headphones or no headphones? I am wearing headphones. Yeah. I wear my AirPods. I'm addicted. Oh, oh do you want to hear a sad story about the marathon that we just realized? I am obsessed with my AirPods. I love them. I use them all the time. And we, I lost one of them after the marathon. It's gone. So I have to get a new pair. Oh, <laughs> pretty those sad are about not it. cheap. I know. I know. But it, it happens. I, I've put those through the washing machine a few times. Like I just, maybe I shouldn't get a new pair because I'm not responsible enough for something nice like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, you, you can't have nice things. That's... I can't. No, I can't. I shouldn't. I need to go back to maybe just not even take my phone with me even. <laughs> well, those seem, those seem great. I have a pair of the Jaybird, the Jaybird ones where they have like the cord connecting in the back, like along yep. the back mm-hmm. of your neck. Um, yep. Or another way of putting it, I have the least expensive Jaybirds. Um, yep. So they're, they're definitely nice. I like them. But oh, they don't yeah. have a lot of charge. I don't know how the yes. AirPods are with the charging. Yep. No, the AirPods are amazing. They've, I mean, they lasted, they've lasted for hours for me. But I do, one time with the Jaybirds, I was so sad because the charge doesn't last very long. I don't put my music on until like halfway. And so I was doing the St. George Marathon a few years ago. And I go to like turn it on to like get my music going. And I guess they'd already been on the whole time. And so I didn't have music. They were out of charge. The entire marathon, I went without music, and that was hard. I know lots of people do that normally, but that was hard for me <laughs> mentally. <laughs> but anyways, so, they, they do hold a charge. <laughs> oh, that's good, though. And then what, what – yeah. so you just mentioned music. So what music are you listening to when you're out running? Oh, everything. Um, it depends. So, like, when I'm doing easy runs, I just – I listen to podcasts only now because I just – I'm obsessed with podcasts. But when I'm doing, like – a a race or something. I'm listening to everything from like Taylor Swift songs to Macklemore songs to brand new or, and so some of the music's like really and probably you wouldn't like that together with me that I'd be listening to that, but it helps me run faster. So if there's a good beat, like that's, that's magic when he's, I don't know, (laughs) but yeah, I, I think most people feel the same way. I know I'm the same way. That's yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I definitely listen to music. I only kind of listen to music if it's if it's a harder workout. I'll definitely take totally. my my either my longer runs or my easy runs will be podcasts or audiobooks. I do a ton of audiobooks. Oh, um, I see. I need to do that. I need to try that out. Well, yeah, it's like I don't know about you. Like if I actually the, on the rare occasions where I sit down to read, I just zonk out immediately. Totally. So like this gives me, you know, kind of ample time to go through certain books that I really want to get through. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I'm going to copy you. 
<laughs> do it. I think I was like, I, I got into audiobooks shoot a long time ago. This is when I started recruiting for basketball because I would drive so much. And it was like, oh. I just couldn't deal with radio long enough. I was like, right, I'm going to fall asleep in my car if I just listen to this, like, you know, the same song will come on every half an hour. Oh, yeah. So I started listening to audiobooks and it was like the best thing ever. So all of a sudden, like, my nightly four to five hour round trip recruiting efforts were like not yep. that big of a deal. So I was like, excited oh, yeah. to get back in the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the way to do it. Hey, yeah. Sorry. So. If you could only run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would it be? St. George Marathon. Like, I have an unhealthy love for that marathon. I just love everything about it. <laughs> and I I grew up in the area, and so I just have a lot of mer- memories down in St. George, a lot of really good memories, and I love the course. And Andrew actually grew up there, too. Um, we didn't know each other down there. We were um, – I'm older than him, so we were in the same grade. But we did go to the same elementary school one year. So anyways, I just love that area and the course and the people. And it's, yeah, it's my favorite race, especially now. <laughs> especially now, of course. Of course. All right. Other end of the spectrum. Yep. What is the bucket list race that you're eager to, to try? Oh, I, oh, this is so hard. A bucket list. I would love to do one of the Disney races. Do they still do those in California? I don't know. Um, I'd love to do the London Marathon. I've really wanted to do that one for a while or Berlin or um, Chicago's on the – so I have like 50 races on my bucket list, but I'll probably they just keep do, doing St. George every year. <laughs> yeah, they do do one down in California because one of my okay. other podcast guests, McCall Lee, ran yeah. one a couple of years ago for sure. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, there we go. That's what I'll be doing next. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. What is one – either training tip or something you know about running that you tell people all the time, but that you have trouble following. Oh, that's a good one. Um, do, do, do. There's like 500, I'm sure. Um, to take, um, okay. Sorry. This is taking me way too long <laughs> to eat, to not eat so much sugar. Cause obviously that's going to affect your, um, you're running and I just eat a lot of sugar, but this training cycle, I did cut back on all my sugar, but, um, every other training cycle I've like lived off of candy and things like that. And I know that's terrible for your running. So I guess, <laughs> does that count? <laughs> oh, it, it certainly does. It's one that, that, uh, you know, warms my heart because I had the yep. same sugar addiction that you yeah, have. And it's a problem. I, I, I remember it was, I think it was the, the alley on the run show one that you did this summer. You're talking yeah. about enjoying like the joys of life. And the oh, second yeah. example you gave was a bag of Skittles. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I was, I laughing. I'm like, oh, my I think goodness. I was eating a bag of Skittles when I listened to that right? part. I was like, exactly. Oh my. Yeah. I, so after the mar- after this last marathon, Brooke, my daughter had like a bag of Skittles. I don't know where she got it from. Cause I wasn't with her leading up to that. I guess Andrew gave it to her or something. And she offered them to me like, mom, you want some Skittles? And it was like, I heard like angels singing, like after a hard <laughs> marathon, my daughter's offering me candy, like, and Skittles. It was just, I really enjoy candy. <laughs> it's a problem. I hear you. No, it's, so. it, don't, it's only a problem if you think about it. Just, exactly. You're fine. You're good. Um, <laughs> sorry. Last one. Uh, oh, who is your dream running partner? Um, I really want to go on a run with Desi Linden. Like I really want to, um, Andrew's like thinks she's my biggest girl crush and it's probably true, but I would love to go on a run with her. I just think the world of her and yeah, there we go. So I wish we could be training partners. So, <laughs> but do you want to know something crazy? I don't think you do, but I'm just going to tell you anyways. My friend sent me a picture today of Shalane Flanagan running on the same street I run on every day in my training. That she's, I know. And so now I'm not running because I'm recovering. I could have ran into her this week out on a run. I don't, I'm guessing she's doing like um, altitude training here or something's going on, but but she is running on my same streets. <laughs> I think you and Brooke had to set up, set up a lemonade stand right there. <gasps> yes. And just like start passing it out. Just like, oh, come totally. on, Shalane, we got you. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'll be out on the lookout. I'll be driving the streets tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. See, Brooke's six. She's a little runner. You can get her. Yes. She'll, like, she'll, she'll, she'll get her like running dream partner done before she oh, even I starts second it. grade. I love it. Yep. 
there we go. It's a deal. <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so oh, much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. it. Thanks for what you do. All right, we all have a great night. benefit. Oh, you too. Bye. Thank you, Janae, for coming on the show. This was so much fun. I swear that she has just the most energy and positivity of anyone I know. I mean, maybe there's some people who are at the same level as her, but I don't know of anybody who has exceeded her in those departments. That's for sure. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Big ups to Run for PRs Coaching for sponsoring this episode. I, I, I said it in the, in, the, in the intro. I said it in the mid-roll, and I'll say it again now. Having a coach is imperative if you want to get and achieve big things in running or basically any area of your life. Having an outside expert to help you is so important. So go to runforprs.co to check them out. Also, big ups to Megaton Coffee. They're fueling the Rambling Runner podcast. I live a crazy life. I'm up at 4 a.m. every day running. I'm up at night recording this podcast, and I couldn't do it with Megaton Coffee. It's twice the caffeine of a normal cup, but it's so darn good. It's so tasty. I, you know, I would be here without it. I love it. I really do. So check it out at megatoncoffee.com. And they hook it up. I send a thank you present to all of my guests. And that is a bag of Megaton Coffee. And I've gotten some good responses from it already. So thank you, Megaton Coffee, for that. And thank you, listeners, for tagging me when you share the show. I really appreciate it. I love the feedback. And you are helping to make the show get better and better. And hopefully it continues to do so in the future. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Now go out there and happy running.